Hey now, welcome to episode 10.5 of I Know Nothing About MMA, not 11. We're skipping number 11. Yes, we are. We are not going to be talking about Holm versus Albana. As much as I want to, I'm just kidding. I didn't want to talk about it. Didn't even watch the fight. Not going to watch the fight. I, pro- I probably will. Probably will sometime soon. Carlos Condor was on the fight too. Fight card, rather. He got a win. First win in six fights for the guy. Really, I don't, I'm don't. i telling you, I didn't watch this uh, card. Instead, I went out to uh, the city, saw my friend, went to the football, did all of that nice stuff. Really had no intentions of watching this card. I just thought after last week, oh my god, I've watched so many fights, I don't want to talk about fights anymore. Kind of just want to have a break. On this show, however, we're going to be talking about a few things. Adesanya, did he go too far? Did he go too far with the Paolo Costa thing? Humping the guy. We're going to be talking about Dana White versus Conor McGregor. That would do a lot of buys, <laughs> that fight. They should do that fight, actually. I'm surprised they haven't done that fight already. Dana, book it. Open weight. What does it mean for Dustin Poirier? We've been talking about some other things as well, but they're the two big stories, I think. Anyway, I hope you enjoy the show. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts if you like the show. All that kind of C-R-A-P crap. Let's get into the show, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get it all! Okay, so did Adesanya go too far? Did he go too far when after the fight, after he'd already knocked out Paolo Costa? Well, technically it's a technical knockout. But after he technically knocked out Paolo Costa, such a funny term, technical knockout. After he did that, he humped the guy. He did a little action, a little thrust of the hips and um, motion that he was humping the guy. I mean... A lot of people were really offended by this, most notably Paolo Costa. He thought it was disgusting. His heart was broken. He did a crazy rant. However, I don't think Adesanya went too far. I know it was crass. It was unsportsmanlike. Um... But really, if you followed the pre-fight antics of this fight and the stories coming into this fight, a lot of it uh, was kind of Paolo Costa doing a homoerotic shtick. You know, he was kind of... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you'd call it being homophobic because I don't think he's gay. But he was kind of um, saying, well, I'll, I'll make Israel Adesanya my girlfriend... I'll do all of these things. And really, he was pushing that kind of, you know, narrative onto Israel Adesanya, hoping he'd fight back against it. And really, Adesanya didn't fight back. He really didn't care about it. I mean, fair enough to Adesanya. It was really funny, I'll say that. It was funny what uh, Paolo Costa was doing. But you can't do that before a fight and have all this energy and 
talk like he was talking, like he was saying, I'm going to make you my girlfriend, nice earring you've got. I think my mother's got the same one. And all these memes as well. And then get really offended when after the fight, Israel Adesanya kind of tips the hat back at you after he's beaten you and simulates <laughs> sodomy. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Anal sex. You can't be mad, man. Like, you kind of, you know, if if you didn't come into the fight, I'm talking directly to Paolo Costa here. If Paolo Costa didn't bring that energy into the fight, this homoerotic, homophobic, whatever you want to call it. I don't really think it was homophobic. I mean, but, you know, that's, that's a debate to be had about, you know, another day. But you can't bring that energy into a fight. And then after your opponent obliges you, after he's beaten you, be really offended by it. Yes, it will hurt your ego, but you can't say, oh, that's disgusting, that's crass. I'm a, I'm a moral guy, I'm this, I'm that. I mean, who cares? You're a cage fighter, man. Are we really upset about this? Really? Is this really what we're talking about now? And that's really all this is. Paolo Costa's ego was damaged after this fight. He was upset. He really thought he was going to take it, Adesanya. But he didn't. He got knocked out. And then he got anal sex simulated on him. That's the truth. I'm not mad at Adesanya. I mean, he's a fighter. Why do we get mad about what fighters do or say? Especially in the context of their promotional duties and in the cage. Who cares? Really, I don't care at all what he did. I, I found it funny, actually. I was like, huh, interesting. I did say on the last episode that what's next for Paolo Costa is a move up to light heavyweight. I think that'll be much better for him. And I think he should kind of shut up about this. Stop embarrassing himself, really, because that's what he's doing. He's embarrassing himself. Yes, I understand that his pride is hurt, his ego is hurt, he's shot, he's damaged, all these type of things. But really, he's just making himself look even more cringe. And it's not the good type of cringe, not the Henry Cejudo type of cringe. It's the dude, will you shut up, man? Like, can you shut the fuck up, dude? Because I'm getting secondhand cringe off you right now. And that's all I've been getting from Paolo Costa after this fight is mad secondhand cringe. Adesanya is the better fighter. I can't see a fight between the two going any different from what we've seen. I don't think his performance constitutes an immediate rematch. He will not get an immediate rematch. There's no chance. So really, I think he should kind of shut up and knuckle down. I mean, it really wasn't that offensive. You're kind of making a big deal out of it, considering you're the one who brought that energy into the fight. You're the one who was making the memes about Adesanya being a woman, like a Naomi Campbell lookalike and... How, you know, you had the great abs and you're so sexy, all these things. You brought that energy, man. You have to live with that. That's what, you know, you, you promoted yourself like that. It was fun promotion. But after you lose, just take the loss. That's it, man. 
So, did Israel Adesanya go too far? No. I don't think he went too far. I don't really care about these things when fighters do these things. Really, I honestly don't care. I could not care less. And a lot of people are bringing up these things right now where they're saying, well, people are, weren't offended by the Colby Covington thing, but people are so offended by the Israel Adesanya thing. I'm here to say that I'm not offended by either one. Not either one. They're fighters. If, if they have a problem, let's, let's fight in the cage. And they did fight in the cage. Like, this ain't the ultimate feelings championship, okay? I know that's a quote that not many good people in the sport say, but these guys eventually are going to get into a cage together or a ring, and they're going to fight. So let's not really talk, you know, think too much about what these people say and get so offended about what these people say, okay? UFC are not going to find them. I don't think the commission is going to find Israel Adesanya. Who cares? I don't even think it's an... don't think he should be fined or punished for this. I mean, who cares, really? But now let's get on to the next topic. I came here to talk about the reaction that human trash did. The human trash did after a fight. I didn't see when I was there on the cage, but I saw now. I disapprove 100%. And to me, this is mortal now. Nobody will stop me. Nobody can stop me. I am on hot of collision with you, Adesanya. I want my rematch. And you know, and you know I'm waiting for you. Something happened before the fight. I'm not excused here to my, my people, my fans, but I will be 100% to fight him and to make him pay. That's my words. Save my words. No time to jokes, no time to fun. I'm focused on making him pay. And I will be 100%. I wait for you. Give me the revenge. Let's make it happen. Everybody want to see that. Alright, this is a very interesting situation, maybe with big implications as well. That could be wishful thinking though. Of course, I'm talking about Conor McGregor versus Dana White. No, this is not a fight that's going to happen. I wish it was. Wouldn't it be good if Dana White was a little like his boxing counterpart, Eddie Hearn, who once said... I would get knocked out for pay-per-view buys. At least Eddie Hearn is man enough, I suppose, to admit that. At least he's crass enough to admit I would do anything for a pay-per-view buy. Dana White, obviously, doesn't really have to resort to that type of thinking. However... In the political landscape of MMA, this is a big story. Conor McGregor and Dana White have had a falling out. And this is because 
Conor McGregor has been unable to secure a fight with anyone since the Cowboy Cerrone victory in early 2020, which was kind of a farce. No way Cowboys should have been in there with him. And the 40-second knockout proved the point. Proved the point of many people. Anyway, this controversy appeared when Conor McGregor appeared to leak DMs, direct messages, between himself and Dana White to kind of say to Dana White, got ya, in response to Dana White saying, well, he doesn't want to fight or he hasn't accepted any fights. Conor McGregor in the leaked chat saying, when can I have a fight? Can we do it in July? What about Gaethje? What about International Fight Week? The three fights that Conor McGregor wanted to have were against Justin Gaethje, Diego Sanchez, I hope that fight never goes through, and Tony Ferguson. Now, it doesn't appear that Conor McGregor will be fighting under the UFC banner in 2020, despite his best efforts to fight under the UFC banner. Now, after leaking the DMs, Dana White accused... Conor McGregor of violating the man code. You know that code people, you know, men have? That weird arbitrary code? It used to be you can't sleep with your best friend's uh, girlfriend or your friend's girlfriend or whatever. But now it's when you're in a fight with your boss, exposing the truth is a violation of the man code. You don't do that shit. All right? You don't do that to Big Daddy Dana White. It's a violation of the man code. Whatever the fuck that means. This is some man code stuff, you know, you don't, you, you just, it's, it's just something you don't do. It's one, of the, it's one of the dirtiest things you can do. Now, I think it's possible that this conflict, this spat, this war, whatever you want to call it, will have broader implications for the future of the sport. And that does sound like wishful thinking, and it perhaps is wishful thinking, but if this keeps going where it's going, with Conor McGregor refusing to fight under the UFC banner, and instead having these quote-unquote charity matches, or these charity bouts, whether it be against Dustin Poirier, or against Manny Pacquiao, that he may not fight under the UFC banner, and he may feel that as an entity, maybe he's worth more than the UFC. Maybe the UFC doesn't need to promote Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor can promote himself. And yes, he does have McGregor promotions, just like Mayweather has Mayweather promotions, almost just a little nod of the cap to Floyd Mayweather. And yes, this may be wishful thinking, but I think that Conor McGregor could be the one to start this fighters' revolution, to start a revolution in the fight game where the UFC doesn't have all this power, where the fighters themselves start to think, hey, we're the one fighting, we're the one that actually makes the money for this company, and maybe it's time that 
we make our own money. That we get cut on the promotional side as well. And yes, again, this is probably wishful thinking. This probably isn't going to happen. In fact, maybe Conor McGregor will come back and fight Dustin Poirier. Now that Kamara Usman and Gilbert Burns is off that UFC 255 card, that December card. Maybe that's the card that Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor headline for their rematch. But I would like to think that Conor McGregor has enough balls, has it in him, to maybe try to fight to get out of this contract and start to promote his own fights. I know, it's very hard. I can't, I can't see it happening, but how good would that be? That would make McGregor almost a revolutionary figure in the game. Does he want to be a revolutionary figure? And also, what does this mean for Dustin Poirier? Dustin Poirier is a fighter that's also drawn the ire of Dana White recently. With Dana White saying, this guy doesn't want to fight. I'm telling you guys, this guy doesn't want to fight. He hasn't put his name on the dotted line. And yes, that's because the money just isn't right. Especially for a fight against Tony Ferguson. It's a very hyped fight. People want to see that fight. You have to be compensated in a fight like that. Listen, I like Dustin. I'm not going to sit up here and say anything negative about Dustin. He's a great kid. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if it was he didn't want to fight in Abu Dhabi or what his deal was. He just, he, uh, he didn't want to fight. So as such, Conor McGregor has almost used Dustin Poirier as a pawn in this war against Dana White, in this spat, in this conflict, whatever you want to call it, and has offered to have a charity bout with Dustin Poirier, a rematch under MMA rules in Dublin, a charity bout that will be streamed. I'm not sure if they'll have a crowd. You know, the the details are kind of murky at this point. No one really knows the details, if there are any details, if this isn't just a fantasy booking from Conor McGregor. But I, for one, hope that this fight between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor happens on the fighter's terms not under the UFC banner, that it shows fighters and fans alike that it is possible to hold a good MMA card without UFC. And I know we have Bellator, and yes, we have seen it in the past with Pride, but not for a long time, especially for Western viewers, American viewers, and yes, it will be in Dublin, however, I'm going to guess a lot of the viewers who watch this fight will be in America, so it will show the American viewers as well that, hey, some of these guys are bigger than the UFC, but what will probably end up happening is that Conor McGregor will maybe renegotiate a new deal with the UFC, that maybe this is all just posturing to get a more financially viable deal for Conor McGregor, not really for other fighters. And I do believe that one day, I don't know if it'll be Conor McGregor, but one day there will be a fighter in the UFC who 
will turn their back on the UFC and want to fight elsewhere or promote themselves, not fight under the UFC banner. I do see it happening one day. I do see the pendulum shifting in the direction of the fighters. I don't know when it'll happen. I'm not, again, I'm not saying Conor, this will happen with Conor McGregor. But I do believe one day it will happen. It's bound to happen. I believe it's also bound to happen that the Ali Act will be in MMA. The boxing legislation, which mandates that fighters must get 50% of the revenue of any given card. That's in America. Yes, they don't have the Ali Act in Britain. I do believe in MMA that will happen. Hey, maybe we should call it the McGregor Act. No, well, it's called the Ali Act because Muhammad Ali was grossly stripped of his income by one Don King. Famously, he had to beg Don King for his purse while he was lying in a hospital bed and he didn't even get his full purse. He settled for something like $200,000, the greatest, Muhammad Ali. How about that? So this tussle... We're going to use another word. This tussle between Conor McGregor and Dana White, I believe it can have far-reaching implications. Not saying it will, it could. And yes, I also do believe that Dustin Poirier, as good as a fighter as he is, as good as Guy is, is being used as a pawn in this conflict. Dana White now is probably giving him the UFC Conor McGregor deal to kind of sweeten him to this side. I guarantee you he's getting a lot more money than he is for a Conor McGregor fight than he would for a Tony Ferguson fight. And I remember on Twitter when the Tony Ferguson and Dustin Poirier fight fell apart, one guy said, hey, come on, give Dustin his money. You know you know what he does for charity? He's probably going to give that money to charity. Dude, he's not going to give that money to charity. He's going to put it in his pocket. And what's bad about that? Why do we have to caveat it that Dustin Poirier should get compensated better than most fighters because he has a charity? Because he's, quote-unquote, bound to put it to charity. No, he's not. He just wants to get compensated for doing a job that uh, not many people do and, you know, a job that also keeps his boss's company afloat. Because not many fighters realize that. Not many fighters realize that they are the star of the show, not Dana White. And yes, we do talk about Dana White a lot. But it really is because Dana White tries to make himself the star of the show. He really does. It's kind of hard to talk about some fighters sometimes when Dana White is hogging all the spotlight. And I'm not going to say we're not going to talk about Dana White ever again, because we're going to talk about Dana White most episodes. It's just how it is. It's how the business is. But we'll keep updating people on this story as it happens, as it keeps plodding along the narrative that comes out of this. But really, I think the big narrative, the big implication, is that maybe Conor McGregor is thinking, and yes, he has thought this for a while, that, hey, I'm bigger than the promotion and maybe I can promote my own fights. I don't need the UFC. I don't need Dana White. Dana White needs me. And that's what a lot of fighters should be thinking right now. 
These guys are making all this. They're making all this money. They're doing nothing. They're sitting there watching me fight. I'm the man. You are not. Dana White, you know, does done a lot for this sport, but he's not he's got one injury from this sport. You know, and for him to say, um, the best part of my, the the best part of UFC Brooklyn was the flight home. You're on a private jet, bro. Shut the fuck up. You're on a private jet. He owes an apology to all those motherfuckers. That's bullshit. Shut your fucking mouth. Israel Adesanya, he's back in the news. This guy's always in the news, I feel like. Israel Adesanya, and another guy who's always in the news, John Jones. Will these guys fight? These guys have been engaging in a war of words for a very, very long time. Will they fight? I'm not so sure. I'm really actually not so sure these guys will fight. Eugene Behrman, the coach of Israel Adesanya, the head trainer of Israel Adesanya, has expressed that Israel Adesanya wants this fight. He definitely wants this fight. However, will this fight happen? With John Jones moving up to heavyweight, with Israel Adesanya wanting to basically clear out the division, will this fight happen? Because John Jones... I mean, he's not the oldest guy, but this is, you know, you'd say this was his prime. And if you wanted the fight to happen, you'd want it to happen now. You want it to happen right now so that these guys, both of them, can test each other at their best. I fear if this fight does happen, we're going to be seeing an older, slower John Jones versus a younger Israel Adesanya. And yes, Israel Adesanya right now is 31 or something like that. So it's not that Israel Adesanya is very young. I mean, he's not the youngest. He's quite, um, he's in his prime really as a fighter. So if this fight was to happen, I want this fight to happen now. There's also been some really uh, classless remarks from Israel Adesanya. One about John Jones's mother. I mean, it's classless, but I'm not going to cry at the guy. Who cares? I mean, we're trying to sell pay-per-views over here. I'm sure that these guys, after the fight, they'll shake hands and they'll hug and they'll say, Oh, you're such a great fighter, man. Oh, I've been watching you since I was a kid and I love you, John. Oh, Izzy, you're not as bad as I thought you are. You're actually a really cool guy. That's how it always happens. You know, before the fight, though, tensions are going high, you know, they're rising, it's like a souffle, so no, I'm not that bothered about this, and really the comments by Adesanya, and then also the simulating sex against Paolo Costa, this opens up a broader conversation about whether or not we should have uh, religion, family, and race in the discussion of pre-fight promotion should we leave it out at the pre-fight promotion even sexuality i don't know we'll talk about it a little later but it's you know it's good food for thought but if i had to be a betting man i really don't think this fight's gonna happen i don't i just don't see it happening i think there's a lot of posturing going on i think john jones will move up to heavyweight if israel adesanya wants this fight he's gonna have to move up to heavyweight he will have to because I don't think John Jones will want to cut down to 205 anymore. I think after he moves to heavyweight, he'll be a pretty big heavyweight. He'll be 230, 240. That's what I, I, again, I'm not in his camp. I don't fucking know that. But 
I think he'll be a big heavyweight. And yes, 230, yes, the limit is 265. So they'll say, DC, that's not really a big heavyweight. But yeah, it's a big heavyweight in the sense that he has to cut down to 205. You know, it's a big heavyweight. That's a big guy. So if Israel Adesanya wants this fight, he's going to have to take it at heavyweight. If I'm Israel Adesanya, I'm not sure I want to fight at heavyweight. Especially with the success I'm having at 185. My prediction for the fight, if it ever happens, I've seen a lot of people say that Israel Adesanya will beat this guy. I'm not so convinced. I think actually John Jones will beat this guy. I think he will outgrapple him. Yes, there are conversations about, well, John Jones hasn't really been grappling a whole lot lately. But listen, it doesn't matter. I'm thoroughly convinced that the last few John Jones performances have not been that great because his opposition have not been that great and they haven't inspired him to reach for new heights. I mean, yes, Tiago Santos, Dominic Reyes are great fighters. However, they're not fighters that really get John Jones up for a fight. I mean, just look at the Daniel Cormier fight. Look how fired up he is for those fights. I think it'll be a different story. And I would bet on John Jones. But to tell you the truth, I don't think this fight's happening. So it doesn't really matter. He brings out a special side of you. It seems like you almost enjoy the back and forth with him. Yeah, right? I, I was loving it. Yeah. I was loving Why? it. Why? Well, well, it, it, was, it was just fun, honestly. It was just fun. I, I bicker and I talk crap with a lot of people, and uh, he's, you know, he's hot right now in the sport. So it's just fun to, to attach myself to his fight weeks. So he said he'll chase you up to heavyweight. He'll chase you all over the place. Do you? You're kind of you don't you don't buy it. Come on. Daniel Cormier has fought many heavyweights, and and he says in his interviews that John is a little bit bigger and a little bit stronger than you would imagine when you're in there with him. This is guys that's this is a guy who's fought, I mean, Bitfoot Bitfoot Silva, right? Right, right. Bitfoot Silva. Yep. I don't, I don't think I don't think I don't think a, a long, lean middleweight um, would would uh, present me much problem, especially once I got my hands on him and put him to the ground. Mm. Yeah. People people are can eat up what he's saying. But the truth of the matter is, he's scared today. All right, and this is some good news for Tony Ferguson fans. If you're a Tony Ferguson fan, you can rejoice. Dana White has announced recently that Habib's next fight will probably be against Tony Ferguson if he defeats Justin Gaethje. I don't want to say that's a big if. I do expect Habib to beat him, beat him comfortably. But I'm very happy that this will happen. This will be the sixth time that they've tried to put this fight together. A lot of incredible circumstances have stopped this fight from happening. Five times they've tried to put this fight together. This will be the sixth. And hopefully it will be six time lucky because there's a lot of people, including myself, who want to watch this fight. I think this will be Habib's biggest test. I really do. I really think Tony Ferguson poses a different challenge to Habib Namagamadov. A far different challenge 
Then what? Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, all these type of fighters pose to him. I think Tony Ferguson gives him a different look. And my thinking on this is that when Habib fights someone, when he's fought in the past, specifically against Dustin Poirier, and also Conor McGregor as well, is that when Habib's taken these guys down, they kind of shit the bed. They kind of freak out and they think, I need to get this guy off me. However, I think Tony Ferguson will be quite comfortable on the ground. I think he'll think, I can do okay against this guy. I'm comfortable on my back and I like to fight off my back. And also another thing as well is that Tony Ferguson, though he's great on the ground, he never really initiates any grappling exchanges. It's always the fight ends up there. And I also think the unorthodox nature of Tony Ferguson, this unpredictability, might pose problems for Habib. Habib is kind of like a robot. He kind of smashes through you. And the best way to be robots, they say, is to be incredibly unpredictable, to do things they don't expect you to do. And I think in that fight, the Habib Namagamedov versus Tony Ferguson fight, I think Tony Ferguson is going to pull some rabbits out of the bag and confuse Habib, perplex the guy. And that's what you need to do to beat Habib, in my opinion. You need to perplex him, bemuse him, keep him on his toes, and keep making him think. Because when Habib fights, especially again in the fights against Dustin Poirier, in the fights against Conor McGregor, they didn't impose their will in the grappling exchanges. All they wanted to do was try get back up. And I think against Habib, with his quality of wrestling, it's very hard to get back up. I think once you're down, you're down. And you must live with that. You must say, okay, let's play your game and make the most out of it. And I think Tony Ferguson in this fight will make the most out of it. Again, I'm very happy this fight's happening because after Tony Ferguson lost to Justin Gaethje, it seemed like it's over. This fight will never happen. And I thought that was an incredible disservice to not only Tony Ferguson, but the fans that they were being robbed of this fight because I don't think the Justin Gaethje fight was indicative of how a fight against Habib would go because it's not going to be a standing boxing fight. It's going to be a very different fight. It's going to be contested largely in grappling quarters. It's going to be contested on the ground, Tony Ferguson on his back. And Tony Ferguson, he'll hit you with his elbows. He'll slice you open. He'll do a lot of things. And he'll do things, again, that not many fighters will do. They're not crazy enough to do this. Tony Ferguson is a fucking wild man. I'm not saying he'll win that fight, but I think it might be Habib's toughest fight. Because unlike Poirier, unlike McGregor, unlike Ally Quinta, unlike all these opponents, he won't be so hell-bent on, God, I've got to get back to my feet and get back to my game. He'll think, right, I've got five Mr. Worker, I'm on my back, let's go. That's the kind of guy he is. So I'm highly in favor of this fight. I'm very happy that the UFC are considering this fight. I think they should put this fight on. The fans will be incredibly happy. I don't think... People really are saying, oh, he doesn't deserve this shot. I mean, he went for a long time where he was the interim champion. 
and they try to put this fight on five times that you kind of have to give the fans what they want. And this is what the fans want. It's the will of the fans. I'm sure Habib wants this fight. I'm sure these two fighters know each other very well. They've been in training camp with each other for a very long time. Not with each other, but for each other. For a very, very long time. So big ups to the UFC, Sean Shelby, for wanting to put this fight on. The big tomato head, Dana White. Let's see if this fight actually goes through. It's terrible fucking suit time, motherfuckers. We're keeping it sweet. We're keeping it savvy and we'll keep it a little classy. The hype is real. You better fucking be there, Khabib. I'm glad you showed up. Just sit it down and walk away. Alright, so there's some more interesting news happening in the UFC. This time it relates to Leon Edwards. He says, I'm not interested in the Wonderboy fight. And he tells Hamzat Chemaev to beat someone in the top fucking 25. I emphasize the fucking part. Listen, I understand why he doesn't want to fight Chemaev. I mean... I mean, actually, I don't. Because if, if you beat Chemaev, you're just taking this guy's hype. And this guy is a... This guy's got so much hype, man. This guy's got so much hype. And if you can beat him, then hey, you're going to get his hype. And you're going to become even bigger than... You know, a bigger name than you are now. And Leon Edwards, he desperately needs to become a bigger name. I really love Leon Edwards. I really do. I think he's a very good fighter. However, he hasn't fought for a long time, and it's not the Chemayev thing I'm disappointed about. It's the Stephen Wonderboy Thompson snub that I'm really disappointed about, because he is a fighter that would be a good fight for Leon Edwards. It's a realistic fight. He is the top guy. He's fought for the title before. I don't understand why he wouldn't be interested in that fight. I know he's holding up for people like Jorge Masvidal... Kamaru Usman, but Kamaru Usman is held up now with Gilbert Burns. That fight's been postponed to a later date. Um, Kamaru Usman can't make UFC 255 for some reason. Not sure why. He said he needs more time. I don't understand that, but whatever. And Jorge Masvidal is probably going to be fighting... Colby Covington in the next few months, or Nate Diaz. I definitely would prefer the Colby Covington fight. So these two guys, Kamara Usman and Hawaii Masvidal, they are locked in. You cannot get that fight. So, and this is the other thing as well. Leon Edwards, unfortunately for him, doesn't hold the cards in the negotiation table. He can't say... He has no leverage, you know what I mean? He has no leverage, so he needs to kind of go the hard way. And yes, I understand he's been going the hard way his whole entire career. But he really needs this Wonderboy fight. I don't understand why he doesn't want to fight Wonderboy. Because Wonderboy is a great fighter. Wonderboy isn't a, a bum. He isn't a scrub. He's a top guy. As I've said before, he's fought for the title. He poses an interesting challenge to Leon Edwards. He's a rangy striker. He's a very tall guy. He does pose a very interesting challenge. Yes, and he is coming off a win as well 
over Vincent Luque at the UFC 244 show. So if I was Leon Edwards, because I don't have the leverage at the table, because I don't have the ace, I have to say, listen, yes, I'll take this fight. But what Leon Edwards needs to do when he takes this fight, if he takes this fight, and if he wins this fight, he needs to go on the offensive in the post-fight interview. Cause a little mayhem. Get your name out there further. This is almost like the professional wrestling business, I'm telling you. So, I'm kind of disappointed at Leon Edwards. I really think that Leon Edwards should take this fight. It confuses me why he does want to take this fight. Yes, I somewhat understand the Chemayev snub, because Chemayev, yes, he's a big name, but he's also quite a difficult fight. He is a very difficult fight, and you don't want to lose all your momentum to a guy that really isn't even ranked. I mean, he'll be ranked the next time he fights, I bet. But this is a good fight for Leon Edwards. He should take it. If he doesn't take it, he's crazy. He's already spent too much time not fighting, waiting it out. And Leon Edwards, unfortunately, in his position, in his predicament, cannot be waiting it out. So, Leon Edwards, please take the fight. Perfect matchup. I mean, I'm always looking for the hardest opponent. And that's just me being a martial artist. I don't fight for the money. I, that's just a bonus. I would fight for free, to be honest with you. So I think Leon Edwards is the better well-rounded fighter. Colby Covington's got the wrestling. His striking's not all that good. I think Leon Edwards' uh, striking is way better. He's getting good everywhere, you know? And those are the kind of, those are very difficult guys to prepare for because you don't know where the fight's going to go. All right, and just a quick note before we go... I want to talk about Bellator moving to BBC in Britain. They were once on Channel 5. Channel 5 is kind of like a weird free-to-air channel. It's not one of the best channels. You have Channel 4, ITV, BBC. They're probably the three biggest, best channels on free-to-air television. And now Bellator, Bellator MMA, will be on one of the three big channels. It will be on BBC. This is a real coup for Scott Coker and Bellator to be on BBC. This is a great move for them. I always thought Channel 5 was kind of like a a B-level TV station. I know they do boxing as well on Channel 5, Mick Hennessy Promotions, who Tyson Fury used to be promoted by, used to box on Channel 5. However, they don't really make too many splashes in the game And Channel 5 doesn't make too many splashes in the game as well. So it's really good that Bellator are finally moving to a TV station. I don't think it will be on actual television. I think it will be streamed on the BBC iPlayer. I could be wrong though. I'm not too sure about the details on this. All I know is that they're moving to BBC. And I just want to say, hey, congratulations to Bellator. That's a great move for you guys continuing to make big steps and this is a good step for Bellator to become a big player in the European market and I really think that's where they should put all their eggs in baskets. This coincides with the Paris card that they're putting on the first MMA show in France in French history will be a Bellator show so congratulations to Bellator as well. That Paris show will be streamed 
on the BBC iPlayer or will be on BBC television, whether it be BBC One or Two. So, yes, congratulations to Bellator once again. Alright, and that's another episode of I Know Nothing About MMA. I'm your host, DC. Not the great one. We didn't say that at the intro, but I will always say it. That Daniel Cormier is the real DC. He is the great one. But yes, that was episode 10.5. Again, I... Well, I don't apologize for not going over the Holm versus Aldana card. I really didn't want to do that card. Kind of a boring card that, uh, you know, the big story was, where's Holly Holm going to come from here? What's she going to do now? Does it really matter? I mean, I don't really care. But anyway, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you give it five stars on Apple Podcasts. And hey, I'll see you again for next week's show hopefully it'll be monday or tuesday next week we get it out for you the Corey sanhagen and marlon mariah's fight night card how good would that be but okay i'll catch you guys later bye bye